You're listening to the Best Morning Routine Ever podcast, the show that proves no one stumbles upon success ever. With your host, Lou Need. Every Mondays and Thursdays, we deliver cold heart evidence behind the power of a robust morning routine. Get ready to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. I have been helping a lot of my friends take their business ideas and turn them into purposeful businesses. If you have a business idea and you want to get a business plan together, get a lean canvas together, or you simply want to know how to get a a presence online or social media presence, I am your girl. I now provide that service. You can find out more on our website, uh, bestmorningroutineever.com. Go under the show up tab. Because the show up aspect is you showing up on purpose. It's showing up to live your purpose. And we talk about get up, dress up, and show up. You get up with the morning routine app. You get up with the morning routine podcast. You do more your morning routine. You dress up. We have a new product as well. The Smart Magic Eye Mirror. And that helps you with your calendar on there. Showing you how to be productive. How to be your best self as you get ready and groom in the morning. You see your traffic update. You see your your calendar view, you you see everything you need to prepare you for the day and even affirmations, those positive affirmations. We used to use sticky notes, but now it can be automatically uploaded into your magic mirror. And now the show up piece of it, starting your own business. You have this idea, you have this talent, but don't know how to get it to the world. I can provide you with the support you need to get clarity on that vision, but also to get you started with a business plan that can get you funding with a lean canvas to help you reach and talk to investors. So that is the um, the morning routine package. Okay, you can find out more at um, bestmorningroutineever.com. All right, let's get to the show. Hello, morning enthusiasts. Welcome to the Best Morning Routine Ever podcast. I am your host, Looney Lewis. And today, it's an honor. I have an amazing man coming on the show today, Brendan Bateman. He is the CEO of Bateman Collective. He's personally been involved in and managed projects, totally more than $100 million of digital marketing spending. Brendan has spent more than 10,000 hours perfecting the process of generating motivated seller leads online using PPC, Facebook ads, and SEO. He's successfully generated leads in more than 50 markets across the United States. So he is the guy, SEO, all things ads, leads generation. And we're going to find out how to, we're going to learn some tips. So with no further ado, Brendan, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much, Lenny. Happy to be on here. It's an honor. It's a privilege to have you on. So I know we're going to talk about marketing and ads and SEO, but before we do, let's talk a little bit about your journey here so far. Yeah, yeah, of course. I'm more than happy to share anything you want to know. So I am, uh, as you mentioned, I, I run a company that's in the digital marketing space. My journey to that was that I had in college a, a big interest in digital marketing and mm-hmm. I... I wanted to learn and I, I couldn't really find any good opportunities to learn other than just doing it myself. And that was kind of the beginning of this company. Uh, I started working with uh, you know a few local companies doing work for extremely cheap or free, mm-hmm. also pretty bad work because I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and then as we, uh, from there, it's just this story of growing that and building a team and finding a niche and basically finding a way that we could uh, provide the highest value to clients. Yeah. So you started off with brick and mortar and then taking them online? 
Um, so we never, I mean, we did work with brick and mortar businesses, but always online. So everything we do was digital marketing. But yeah, we started off at the beginning working with some e-commerce companies. Uh, we started working with some software companies, especially SaaS. And then at some point we started getting into the real estate industry. And that's really where we found the best traction. So right now we we work with probably close to a hundred different real estate investors in different parts of the United States and Canada and Australia. And that's our, uh, like that's, that's our specialized niche. Um, and that's yeah. all we do now. And so you, you, you've kind of started broad and then niche down eventually. Tell us yes. about the importance of that, because I'm pretty sure you saw that it was like a needle mover once you niche, right? Cause then you can target that specific audience. You can serve them and, and kind of improve your craft to serve them even better. Tell us about the importance of niching down. You know, I hated this conversation several years ago. And the reason was everybody told me you have to niche down. Um, And I thought, you know, all we do at the time was pay-per-click, Facebook ads. I didn't really have any pain trying to do that for a variety of industries. I actually really liked that. I took pride in, you know, the ability to work in custom projects and, and stuff like that. And I, I hated that conversation. And the tough thing about it, the reason it was a barrier for me is I was thinking from a marginal perspective. So I was thinking, if I niche down, then this person that comes to me tomorrow and asks, can you do my Facebook ads? I have to say no to them. And I don't get a lot of leads in one place. I get leads from all over the place, right? Because I did a lot of networking and you know, I ended up working with a lot of companies that were just based where I lived. Yeah. Uh, not necessarily local companies because we ended up doing mostly national advertising, but working with companies that were based there and just kind of networking with people locally and stuff. And I think that's where most agencies are. And then we got pushed into it, to be honest with you. I, I was forced to niche and that paid dividends for us. So I, I had little interest in the real estate industry. We had one client, you know, just because we worked with a variety of clients. But it turns out that particular client, we 6x their revenue over a several year period while keeping their advertising spend exactly the same. Mm. Uh, it was a huge case study for them. And then further, I found out the person who owned that company also owned the largest coaching platform in this particular niche of real estate. And so one day they came to me and they said, this has been absolutely amazing stuff that you're doing here. Can you do this for some of my students? in other places. And I was like, sure, yeah, we'll do it. So then we started getting tons of referrals and we had never had really that sales engine running like that. It was like the easiest thing in the world. You know, these people would just call me up and say, I heard you do really good work. How do I get started? And all the projects were the same. And we started to get really, really good at fulfilling on these projects. And at some point I looked at my business and about half of our revenue was from this industry. Half of it was from a variety of industries. And I realized I was spending about 90% of our resources on the half that wasn't in real estate. And the real estate part was a more profitable business. And our clients were served on a higher level because we became really, really good at that. And that was about two years ago. And now we're at the point where we have maybe three or four clients outside of real estate, all clients that were with us before. And we just... They're kind of grandfathered in, so to speak. But the real estate side has grown a ton. And we have scaled the business in such a way that never would have been possible in these other niches. So that's kind of my story. It's I think niching helps with the operational efficiencies. 
We've been able to accomplish more with a small team, which in today's climate where recruiting is probably the biggest challenge has been huge for us because we could take on five real estate clients for every one client in outside of real estate, you know? Right. So if we have, you know, if our problem is recruiting and training and everything, our company can grow five times larger in this particular niche than they could otherwise. So it's, it's operationally really efficient. And for us, the part that I didn't realize is I had thought I get a lead from a lead from a variety of places. That's how my VGen engine worked. So if you just only deal with the ones that are in a particular industry, you cut out 95% of your leads. And that feels really hard. But what I didn't realize is that when you get to focus on the industry and you focus on generating more leads in that industry, we've generated way, way more leads and way more business than we ever would have in a variety of industries. We just had to really focus on this one and figure out how is it going to work in here. And we've gotten to the point where 95% of our leads are in this industry and it's the 5% that aren't. Yeah. So you were forced into it and it turned out to be a blessing uh, Mm -hmm. is what I'm hearing. But also what you're learning is it's cost effective. It minimizes your overhead spend almost because then if you can tweak it to fit that audience, then it's almost like an automation, a system you have in place. You can rent and repeat. It is. It is very much. And of course, there's always stuff to customize in each place. But what we've done really good at is the way that I can think of it is let's just say we have 80 clients that are going to have really really similar digital marketing strategies. It's not like we just build it once and we paste it across them. It's that we build it once, but we spend 80 times as much time building it really, really well. Yeah. So for us, like in the day-to-day, I'm not thinking about what does this client need? What does that client need? Because the goals are the same. And we have a lot of resources going towards how can we do this better on a yeah. macro level? And because of that, we've got... And like We're accelerating at a rate that would have never been possible in terms of how much we're learning about this industry. And our product's becoming very niche-focused and I think much better. Yeah. And how long do... You, I can imagine it's long-term, especially for SEO, right? So what's the lifeline that your clients are with you usually? Um, that's that's a good question. I mean, we're, we're young enough that... We don't fully know. If we're talking about how long are they with us usually, probably the best metric for that is our client retention rate, which was about 96% last quarter. Varies, of course. So there's a like that that tells us something, right? If we have a hundred clients at the start of the month, we expect to have 96 at the end of the month. And then additionally, whichever ones were sold. So maybe we sold 10 new ones. And we're going to be at 106. That's impressive. So, yeah, it's uh, it, it's actually a really good client retention rate, especially for this industry. I don't know how much you know about this industry, but real estate investors are a little bit flaky. Um, they they don't tend to want to stick with things for a long time. So it's a uh, it's actually really good in this industry. But the yeah, that, that's kind of where we're at. So I mean, you could calculate that. We're going to have some clients that'll be with us literally forever. Some clients that freak out when they don't get what they wanted <laughs> after two weeks, you know. So it's it varies, of course, a ton. So you, they must love you, right? So you're clearly doing so. something right. So tell us about the Bateman Collective and what makes it unique. Well, the I think the thing that makes it unique the most is that we don't view ourselves as a digital marketing company. Uh, we view ourselves as a data company before anything else. And what that means is we believe that the number one challenge faced in this particular industry is data sparsity. 
data sparsity, implying that nobody has enough data to really say what's working and what's not. And implying if someone did have enough of that data, if someone could cleverly aggregate it, if they could build technology around predicting sparse outcomes, they could create a much better marketing machine. And that's kind of what we're built on. So we, uh, at this time, have the largest database that exists in this particular industry of what particular marketing actions lead to closed deals. Mm -hmm. And that's something that has huge value. And and that's kind of our long-term play is building that up. Yeah, no, that's unique because those are high-ticket items too. You think of real estate, you close, you make a sale, you close a sale. It usually takes a couple of months to work that deal in. And once you do close it, it pays, it's high paying. And so I can Mm -hmm. see why that data would be useful to kind of be able to repeat it or put the right touch point to the Mm -hmm. clients, to the customers, because you got to what, I think it's 12 to 15 times you have to touch them for them to make a decision. No, absolutely. And and the really tough thing about this particular like sub-industry of real estate that we're in is our average client probably purchases seven properties a month, something like that. So you take that into account and you multiply it out. I mean, how many businesses do you know that survive on less than 100 customers every year versus the ones that have a lot more data points? So that's where it's, uh, you know, there's just not very many data points to really tell you what's going on. So that's where so many companies get stuck in just what's going to get me the most leads because you can see there's a lot more leads than there are deals. But the thing is, not all leads are created equal. Some are more likely to lead to deals than others. So tracking that all and building a system that's better at that is, I think, really valuable, but something that you can't do unless you're doing this stuff nationwide for a ton of companies. So that's kind of been our advantage. Yeah. So for business owners, we have a lot of entrepreneurs listening who are Mm -hmm. getting started with online lead generation. What are some tips that you can provide, one to two, um, in this space? Because it can be daunting, but they need leads. They need to generate the leads. What are some advice? Uh, that's a good question. Do you have any insight into what their businesses are? Maybe you have more one type of business than another? Yeah. So let's tackle um, service businesses. Okay. Service-based businesses. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, we've done a, a, a good deal of that. I think it's... Let's see. How do I start? Really hard to say without like thinking about a particular company. I can tell you that you want to figure out what kind of platforms your audience is going to be on. And you want to build a way to reach them and a funnel that interests them. So to give you some example of things that we've done in similar situations, like for example, we run some ads for ourselves in in the real estate industry. We learn everything about how they work. We found Facebook's a pretty good channel for reaching them. We run ads and we have the the basic funnel. We know what they really want to hear um, to know that we're actually credible in this industry. And for us, it's really as simple as that. Another example of something we had done is like we had a, an accounting company that we worked with once, a CPA firm, and we targeted business owners. We showed them why they were wrong in what they were doing with their taxes and showed them how they would do it right and invited them to book strategy calls. And it worked fairly well. And the thing is, there's there's a hundred things to do right here. But I think uh, identifying where your audience is and 
starting is, is smart. Here's the misconception. I don't think that this kind of advertising is for everybody. Mm. And the reason is if you look at how much it costs to get a customer on various places, this type of marketing is going to be often more expensive than other places. But the advantage is it tends to be scalable and it tends to have very low overhead associated with it. And you can add incremental profits. So you just really have to consider where you're at with your business. I don't think I would start with paid ads as a way to build my business, but it's uh, it starts to make sense at some point. Um, like when you are looking to accomplish scale, you're willing to start paying a higher cost to acquire customers to get those incremental customers. If you're looking for a way to invest marketing money into your business on a greater level, I think it's a, I think it's an excellent way. We can definitely appreciate you being candid about that because the customer acquisition can be pricey. And if you're just starting off as a um, small business, it can uh, burn hole through your wallet <laughs> very quickly. Yeah. And the thing that a lot of small businesses don't have often, and, and frankly, I don't think 90% of businesses get to this point, to be honest with you, is an offer that really resonates with their audience and a sales process that really effectively turns those people into clients. And no amount of marketing is going to fix that. So that's specifically why I think you know a lot of companies need to kind of find it. Like that stuff works for us right now. Mm-hmm. We could do that all day long and get a ton of real estate clients because we have the offer that they care about. We have tons of credibility behind us. We know where to find them. When we run ads, most of the people are like, I already knew about you guys. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> just the ad came up. So I was like, okay, sure, I'll fill out the form this time. Right. So it's a different game now than yeah. it was. But yeah, if you don't have the if you don't have the offer figured out, then it's going to be really tough. So that's why I say a lot of smaller companies. The reason they're smaller is they haven't figured that out. At the point that you do figure that out, then now you can add a lot of fuel to that fire yeah. with paid advertising. Like the example you gave, like we already knew about you guys. We're just gonna fill out this form. So you've moved them from cold audience to a warmer audience to even hot, right? Like they they're ready to mm-hmm. buy. What's that transition like? How do you go from cold to warm? Is that because we're talking about that offer? Because the whole sales funnel is monumental. It's not just running ads and then that's it. You gotta, mm-hmm. like you said, have an offer, have a, a lead gen, a, a lead magnet to, to that resonate with them that they want to continue to follow up. And then once you get them in an automation, there's a sequence you gotta follow through, right? So it's huge. So how do you go? How else? I guess I should ask. You go from cold audience to warm audience. I mean, that's the hardest part, right? And, yeah. and that's where, like, if you're looking at a place to start with ads, it's usually warm to hot because that's easier, right? Mm-hmm. Um, retargeting, you know, high intent search traffic on Google, that kind of stuff. But yeah, cold to warm. I mean, it really just depends on who your person is and how you get them there. It varies a ton by industry. Like, for example, what where we work in the real estate industry, um, it is actually a really linear path to conversion typically because the first time people see the ads usually they'll fill the form um, if they're going to mm-hmm. if you look at us it's it's a little different you know like we do for example a lot of like podcast marketing and stuff mm-hmm. like that in our particular industry where like most people we run into they've just heard us on there and heard us there and they know this person who works with us and that kind of stuff and, and that kind of builds a reputation helps you make it from there Probably the hardest thing to do, but what some people have mastered is cold to warm without those advantages, right? Like cold calling, for example, that's hard 
people make it work for their businesses, but it's really hard. Mm-hmm. And of course, with ads to cold audiences, you can definitely do that. But you have to understand what's going to resonate with them. That's really what it comes down to. Yeah. And it's going to be costly. Just like cold calling is difficult. You get hung up on or don't get mm-hmm. picked up. Cold calling or cold ads can be pricey, but it's it's a process, though. It's all part of the process, I would say, right? Because you got to go from there to here. And so you got to put in, you got to nurture the, the audience. Absolutely. Yeah. The importance of nurturing your current audience to get them to that close. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the first place you want to focus on marketing. It's low hanging fruit, right? Like really common tactics are like, for example, email marketing, keeping your list warm, keeping it in front of people really makes a difference. Retargeting is probably one of the, like, if we're talking about, if you, if someone just wants to dabble in digital marketing, what should they do? I could tell you, if you have website traffic, what I would do is set up a retargeting campaign on Facebook. It's not that hard. Mm-hmm. It's extremely cheap. Like at this moment, just because we have, we're just flooded with leads from a lot of places. That's all we run. We run a dollar a day on Facebook. <laughs> it, it sounds extremely small, but the thing is, it's enough to reach the entire audience that visits nice. our website because that's a small number of people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, you know, it builds credibility. Keeps you in front of them, that kind of stuff. I think uh, you know it really depends on the industry. Of course, there's a lot of in a lot of industries. There's a long time between when someone finds out about you and when they'll actually work with you, and you have to keep the relationship warm through that whole process. Be that through emails, be that through ads. Yeah, uh, I agree. And, and it's a journey, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to like SEO. You got to be in it for the long haul. So mm-hmm. I want to talk to you more about you as an entrepreneur, like you've established this wonderful business and I've seen tremendous growth over the last like two years after you niched down. So how is it that you are able to sustain you as a person, how to be a successful um, CEO, successful founder? Like, how do you get up, dress up and show up? Tell us about your morning routine. Okay. Good question. You know, I was really, really bad at this for a long time. I'm a little bit better now, but considering this is like your thing, I feel completely unqualified to, to really be sharing what I do here because I'm, I'm not the best. Um, but for for a long time, my morning routine was saying, I have so many calls that people want to put on my calendar. Some context, like at the time I was doing between 15 and 20 Zoom calls every day um, with clients, sales, all that kind of stuff. Like I would just, my calendar would just get booked up. And because there was no more space, I would just expand those margins on it. It got to the point where it's like 8 a.m. to like 9 p.m. It's just open for calls. And it would be back to back to back during that entire time period. And it, uh, I felt like I didn't have time for a morning routine. And what happened is I started to get really burnt out. And I started to get unnecessarily stressed out about different things. I wasn't yeah. as good of a leader, my team. I wasn't as good of a husband to my wife, all that yep. stuff yep. was true. And I learned that just having some, what I would call like visionary time mm-hmm. at the beginning of the day, yeah. a time, like a daily reset to yeah. learn, you know, where is it that you're headed? If you have that end goal in sight, and you put that in your brain at the beginning of the day before you do anything else, it seems like the other stuff that comes up doesn't matter because everything's in the context of that vision. So how I've changed that is I will make sure to have an hour of personal time in the day. That's where I would be establishing that vision. This is before I look at my phone, yeah. before I can check my email, any of that stuff. I list, I read books. 
about the things that I'm wanting to, to get better at, um, all that kind of stuff in that time period. And then after that, I have one hour in which I do whatever my most important task for the day is. And for me, that's really important because I spend my entire life on Zoom. And <laughs> it's so hard for me to get anything done because I finish up my Zoom calls at 7 p.m. and I have like all the takeaways from that. And then it's just like, it's so hard to like move forward yeah. outside of that stuff. So because of that, I give myself one hour for like, this is like my productive time as a business owner. How am I going to improve the business? What's the absolute most important thing that I could do today? Uh, and I start there. And then what happens is at the end of those two hours, I have my vision set and I feel like I accomplished something and I have that good traction already for the day. And then I, I find that I'm a lot happier during the day. Yeah, you are very well qualified because you just Thank showed you. us what would happen if you don't set out that hour, that two hour in the morning. Burnt out, not available to your team members, not available to your family. Just you're not, if you're not well, then you can't show up for your business. Yeah, it's true. And I think it's a, I think it's a good investment. And you know, sometimes all the meetings don't fit on my calendar, but I do better with the ones that do. <laughs> If I if I have that morning routine, so, anyways, that's a that's a that's good been one. A huge help for me. It's a good one because it gives you more energy, more stamina, so that you can go longer and harder, and still be attentive for all your fifteen twenty calls that you have to do. Otherwise, you would be burnt out after each one and unable to show up for the next as you mm -hmm. would like to. And, and so, what time are you getting up? So to give yourself that extra two hours, because I can imagine your calls start, you know, six, I mean, 8 a.m., you're, you're probably hitting the floor running. Yeah, I mean, I would block off some time. Uh, so I'm not a super early riser. I wake up at about seven every day. And then I would, starting at around eight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's eight. I would do that first hour at nine o'clock. Yeah. I have a 15 minute meeting with my team, you know, daily huddle. I'm not sure if you yeah. heard of companies doing something similar. Mm -hmm. And it's then from 9.15 to 10.15, I would do that productive hour. And then I have calls starting at 10.15. So yeah. I used to be like just barely getting ready in time to show up to my first call and always pretty much stressed because I didn't even know what I had for the day. <laughs> now I just have like some time to like, I almost sleep better knowing that right when I wake up, it's not just going to be like running as fast as I can. I just know I'm going to have some time to relax and set my mind straight in the morning. And oh, I know what I was missing in there. There's, there's like a, I have like 30 minutes to prep for the meetings during the day in the morning. So okay. anyways, that all together gives helps me sleep better at night. And yeah. <laughs> I do get to my meetings a little bit later, but it's uh, I think it's a good investment. Yeah, it primes you. It primes you for the day. And that's the power of the morning routine. And we can't talk about it enough because if you don't do it, there are consequences. If you do it, yeah. there are benefits that actually helps propel you as a business owner and propel your business. Because Jim Rohn says, your business is going to thrive, uh, grow as much as you do. So the more you grow, the more it's your true. business will grow, right? So that's why the morning routine, that one hour kind of devoted to you growing, you consuming, you know, reading books, learning about your craft, improving it. You get better, your business get better because you can implement easier. Agreed, 100%. It's, it's one of those things where it's just, it's so hard to say tomorrow I have so much to do. That's going to be a good use of time. But 
it, it makes a big difference. So it, anyways, it that's, does. Uh, yeah, it does. Yeah. So um, tell us, how can we connect with you? How can we find you? Your, your niche is real estate. Where can our listeners um, find you? So you can can always reach out by, by email. Uh, my email is brandon at pavementcollective.com if you want to talk to us for any reason or another. And yeah, I'm open book. I'm always happy to discuss with anyone kind of what we do. If there are any real estate investors listening here, that's uh, you know, that's our niche. That's what we do. So I encourage you to reach out. Um, but anyways, thank you so much for, for having me on the show. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for your time today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. All right, morning enthusiasts. That's it for today's show. Thank you for tuning in. If you love the Best Morning Routine Ever podcast, we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes or Google Play. While you're at it, tell a friend about the show. Be sure to visit bestmorningroutineever.com and our Facebook group to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic free bonus content. Until next time.